Pelotero Pickle, episode 94. We're talking college baseball World Series. I've got a nice recruiting rant, and the Boston Celtics lost the championship. Check it out. Pelotero Pickle, episode 94, take two. I'm joined with Chris Colabello, as always. I'm Bobby Tewksbury. Before we get started, I'm announcing a campaign. This is episode 94. Pretty soon, we're going to be at episode 100. Uh, I want Albert Pujols as a guest for our 100th show, so let's do that. So tweet at him, email him, send him postcards, um, sign a ball and throw it to him at a game, and say, go on Pelotero Pickle. Let's get Let's get Albert on the show. I think it'd be awesome. Uh, I would love to just talk to him and learn about his his whole mindset and his swing and everything and all things pool. So let's do that. I'm gonna throw you under the bus. You were a hundred feet away from him the other day. It was inappropriate. You just run over and said hello. Should have been I could, Albert. I could have. I was in. I was within the confines of like act cool zone like once you're in the barrier you're not supposed to act weird so i didn't you could have just run up to him and said albert you remember me and uh in hindsight i probably should have it was uh it all happened pretty quick so let me set the scene here we were at fenway the other day waiting for uh, a hello from our friend pete fatsy the hitting coach for the red sox and they were playing the Cardinals, and you mentioned Pujols, and then we looked, we went, oh, look at that, it's Pujols. And I said, it was unexpected. It was pretty unexpected, too, because it was like an unassuming vehicle. It was pretty random. I didn't like his garb that day. He was wearing, he was wearing like a white shirt, jeans, white he had pants. high tops on, white so pants. White pants? Yeah, white, pa- white jeans. You can wear whatever you want when you're Pujols. Uh, side note. I, in that moment, got peer pressured into staying for the game, and I ended up staying, and because Joe Castiglione, when Joe Castiglione, the radio voice of the Boston Red Sox, asked you to stay and come up to the booth, you have to say yes. So I stayed for BP, and then I walked back out to the parking lot, and I started talking to Tim Wakefield about golf for about 20 minutes, and that was awesome. And we were talking about BlackRock and all the connections through BlackRock and told him how Millar always talks about how good a golfer he is. And then the large father, David Ortiz, showed up and he came over. Was that the night they hug. did the, uh, the ceremony? Yeah, the one for pools. And yeah. Big Poppy came over He gave me a big hug and we talked for like 20 minutes. We talked about his golf game. I talked about how I want to be invited to his golf tournament from now on. And then I asked him because my wife has always wanted a David Ortiz hug. And every time there's been an opportunity, she misses it. She shows up late, whatever it is. So I asked him if he'd make a video with me. And he's like, of course, let's make it. And then we sent Allie a video. And he was like, this is the second time you missed a hug. It was really funny. We have it. I'm going to send it to Patrick she right now so talking, he can watch was, it. Yeah, she was just talking about that too. That's like yeah. her biggest her biggest disappointment of your entire playing career is not getting a hug from David Ortiz. I've gotten a lot of hugs from the large father. He's the man. He's very mesmerizing. He's captivating. I would I would vote for David Ortiz on the pickle before Pujols. That's how much I like Poppy. 
first well, team all human. You sh- did you ask him when you gave him a hug? No, I thought it, it, I thought it, say, I thought hey, it was inappropriate. Poppy. Hey, Poppy. I should have gone Wakefield. We would that would have been our second knuckleballer. Actually, we yeah, we just we could be a, a knuckleball show. We should do we should do a panel with all knuckleball pitchers and knuckleball catchers. Yeah. Uh, I could have asked a lot of people. Jackie came over and gave me a hug. You were there when Jackie gave me a hug, and then yeah. I talked to We've Rich Hill for for about twenty minutes. Uh, Alex Cora came over. Uh, no, he was not pitching. Alex Cora came over and chatted. Uh, he asked why the Red Sox haven't hired me because of how many conversations and people I know in the organization. And I said, that's a good question. And uh, I said, I'm going to send an invoice. And then, uh, oh, Trevor Story. That was really cool. Trevor came over. He kept looking at me. And I know, it seemed like he knew who I was. And then, um, yeah, I talked to him for a bit. And I told him, I, I told Casey in the text, I was like, I never thought I'd have to name drop Casey Smith to say hi to somebody. But it was funny. Speaking of Casey Smith, we got some travel. We're venturing out on shortly, assuming tickets. Do we work out? <laughs> um, so we're gonna be in Atlanta. We're gonna be in Birmingham. The next uh, thirty days for Pelotero, thirty plus days, and the next like six weeks for me. I'm basically on the road, so it's gonna be. Well, the pickle is gonna be interesting. I might need to get a mobile mic. Cause I don't think I can bring my audio mixer and my sweet stand on the road with me. We but need to be a, uh, be we a need to have a production crew. We should lo- lo- in film Bur- live maybe in on Birmingham. Location. So we're, we'll be doing uh, a bunch of new balance future stars events. They got all their combines. Then we're doing a WBSC event for the, uh, the world cup, which is going to be really fun. We could do live shows there. It'll also be hot. Why is everything in the southeast in June, July, and August? Well, WBSC is indoors now. The tournament's not. They're playing softball out there. That's they can go play softball outside as long as we don't need to have like technology outside. Speaking of technology in the heat, my phone overheated while I was sitting on my deck trying to do stuff yesterday. I was talking to somebody on the phone. My phone just straight overheated. Yeah, traveling and doing events outside in the summer in the south a lot of considerations for heat need we need shade for electronics we need uh shade for humans it's like the whole battery situation can be can be challenging i might go shirtless the whole summer um i might opt into shirtlessness let's talk about baseball things we don't have a lot of time here today we gotta go yeah we got a lot of stuff going. going on. I was going to ask we you, about, we'll, we'll save U.S. Open for a post-show. So we got College World Series going on. Kind of weird. Not a lot of close games at all. The closest game in Omaha so far has been a four-run game. There's been there's been multiple four-run games. The games that I've seen haven't been close. There's been a bunch of blowouts. Arkansas beat Stanford 17-2. Ole Miss beat Arkansas last night 13-5. Uh, there was a 13 to 8 game. Texas A&M beat Texas 10 to 2. It's not a lot of like tight nail biter situations so far. I'm gonna tell you what I hate the College World Series. This, this is like a bold statement for a guy that really likes college baseball. And I'm so, gonna tell you why. Oh, wait, yeah, go ahead. So this is giving me a very March Madnessy feel. And uh, what ends up happening is the great thing about March Madness is the first 
weekend when there's 814 games and you can just switch from one to the other and there's excitement and you oh this guy and then like before you know it you're you're in the eighth inning of a one-run game and you see the walk off and this and and now it's just boring because it's one game at a time and you got to watch every pitch and no it's not boring that's an overstatement but yeah it's boring i i it's well, the boring. the crowds aren't particularly big and it's in omaha so yes they're neutral they're split they, crowds. they moved to a but they went to a new stadium and it's massive yeah. and it, it doesn't have the same feel I feel like you should maybe put the like just put the fence at like three thirty or three fifty all the way around and like guys just bang the ball. And Last night was shadow. I went was to, it the six o'clock central? Yeah, it's all. So when I went to Oklahoma City, there's a lot of um, advocating right now in the women's college world series, <clears throat> which now they're trying to change it from like to make sure that you state men's college world series and women's college world series. Why do you just call it like? It's not the World Series. Just call it the Baseball National Championship and the Softball National Championship. Simple solution. It's not a World Series because it's only college teams in the United States. Different topic for a different day. Uh, but they, I was making the point. They're they're trying to stretch the tournament out because there, there's concerns about like how many games are being played and how frequently they're being played. And my argument was that that's what makes the College World Series for softball special. Because it's it, like everything's happening. It's game after game after game. Like to your point, it's like the opening weekend of the college basketball tournament. And it's just always on TV and it's always available. The baseball, it's like we got a boring nine inning game today. And then there's another yeah. one. The opening weekend is fun, but softball is so fast paced. Both seven inning games, the game is quicker. It's, it's Softball is such a good product on TV compared to college baseball, it's not even close. Stanford close. and Texas have both been eliminated and nobody even knows it. Cause you just, you don't see it, it's not in your face. It's, people had to ask me like, oh, who got eliminated? I said Stanford. There's, there's so much more excitement around the college softball national championship. I'm yeah. not, I'm not, no more World Series. It's the, <laughs> it's the, it's the uh, <clears throat> college national championship. But yeah, it's just it's been a weird. It's weird. Speaking of World know. Series, Eastern Connecticut went up like a billion and three this year and won the yep. national championship. How do you only lose three games in a season? I mean, I get there's some disparity. I know they had a lot of big time transfers, but Eastern Connecticut, perennial powerhouse, took a few years off from being nasty, and then forty nine and three, fifty and three, something like that. Some yeah, three. I think they had three losses. They swept the the final series. Pretty good, yeah. That's a they got a nice stadium. They got talk about like I had no idea Eastern Connecticut existed as a school when I was coming out of high school. <clears throat> Didn't know what it was. Never heard of it. It's it's you weren't first team all Google yet. That's why. Well, it was like dial up internet, and I would when I was in high school, I'd watch College World Series. So I sent a letter to Wichita State because I'm like, oh, they have a good baseball program. Maybe I can go there. No clue what I was doing. <clears throat> no, no clue at all. Me neither. Uh, Lindsay Elliott Homer, so guest of the show. That was nice. Representing. Got a boy. <clears throat> Stoneham, Massachusetts, dog. So, did you see the uh, this weird, wild tag play? Yeah, I saw it. So it was like a bunt. What was? It? Did they? Was there any like decision on what the what the runner was thinking about? It wasn't a bunt. I mean, it was a throw from right field. 
Oh, yeah. So there's two plays. I saw a bunt play. That was weird, too. <clears throat> but he slid. Did he think he was out? Is that what happened? I think he saw the sheer disappointment in his coach, who had just gotten hit. Probably. This kid looks really fast. doesn't need to get hit. I'm pretty sure he saw his coach reacting the way he did, and he assumed he was out. But is that, I, think, yeah. I, think college <clears throat> care, I think college players black out and react to stupid stuff instead of using their eyeballs more. Not a really great ball that we go to third on anyway. So pretty the, firm line drive to right. The shortstop for Oklahoma had 72 hits in that game. He was nine for four. And one of his hits was a whatever looping liner, hard liner to right. Kid tried to go first to third. He goes into third. The Notre Dame guy goes to catch the ball and airballs it. I mean, it was kind of offline. And he was 10 feet up from the bag when he caught it, and he, he went to put ball. the tag he, on. He caught it. Didn't he it hit the third him. base coach? He, he caught it, and he went to tag him, and then he slid into the, the glove, and the ball flew aggressively out of the glove and hit the coach. I'm trying yeah. to watch this again to see where he got hit. I couldn't tell if he caught it or if it just hit the coach. It looked like it like hit him in the stomach area, maybe yeah, a little then, below the belt ish. And then the kid just thought. And he, he was like out. the the coach like turned his back like ah oh, that hurt. And the kid that the kid like looked up and he probably thought the coach was like oh he's out and he's. How about the umpire is the only thing that you needed to look at in that moment in time? That's it. Just know what the umpire says. Nobody else matters. Weird play. College kids black out a lot. That's true. That, it was it was kind of a weird play. That was like in the Tennessee Super Regional. The kid they were down four, and he tried to take second on a ball in the dirt, and he got thrown out by ten feet. Like, what are you doing, bro? Like, you're down four. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah. So, like, just watch the game. Don't get emotional. Just watch it. See what the game's telling you. Think about it right before it happens, and then go. Yep. So, in terms of. Uh... Where we are bracket-wise, looks like uh, Oklahoma, Ole Miss are in the driver's seat. Notre yeah, Dame has to play Texas A&M. Arkansas has to play Auburn. Uh, I didn't. I don't even know what happened. Did Sonny D hit a homer? I hope no. Not. I don't think he has a homer yet. He had a hit, a couple. He was over four yesterday with three punches. Stanford yeah. was good. I thought they were gonna. They were the number two team in the country almost. The better part of the second half of the year. And they're, they go. Ole Miss unranked. Ole Miss was like last team in, basically. Um, and Oklahoma was borderline top 25. It's just I feel continues. like any of those, any like SEC team could just, if they just decide to be good for a week, they could just make a run. Alabama swept Ole Miss this year and didn't get in the tournament. Alabama, Alabama's record against. Uh, Ole Miss and Arkansas was six and one this year, and Alabama didn't get in the tournament, and they just both played in to see who was going to the national semifinal last night. Pretty crazy stuff. Baseball is a weird, weird game. Yeah, weird I mean, game. it goes to show you how much you have to post up in moments. <clears throat> I mean, think about this: Rutgers could have made some noise. Rutgers would have definitely made noise. I don't. I mean, they probably would have played nervous but it's just a matter of getting hot at the right time getting good pitching the guy on the mound matters so much and we forget that last night starter for arkansas walked in two runs in the first inning so what are you doing like quick hook too right over. yeah you get taken out in the first inning can't be helpful to your pitching staff no not good 
All right, uh, next topic. I had a tweet about recruiting. It's just like some an observation that I that I have. I think my best tweets are usually observations like this. And <clears throat> the tweet was, when I see video of hitters posted for recruiting purposes, which means like you're tagging coaches or you're doing like flat ground hitting or whatever it is, you're actively posting a video for the purpose of recruiting. I always watch base running. I just want to see what I just want to see how you run the bases. And consistently I see just terrible turns around first base, guys sit in the middle of the bag, just <clears throat> they, t- they take a bad turn and then they don't take an aggressive turn. And I just every time I see that, I'm like, all right, well, if you can't if you don't run the bases right, what else do you suck at? Like what else the way do you, you do not anything take pride in? Is the way what else do you not take pride in? So like like when college coaches say they like I want to watch a guy between innings take ground balls. Like how do you move your feet? How do you receive the ball? Are you being lazy or are you being active? If you're a catcher, are you working on stuff between innings? Are you moving your feet on your throwdown? Like these are things that if you're a major league baseball player with eight years of service time, go ahead and relax a little bit. Take your time. Like you know how to put your work in. You know how to be a pro. Like you know how to be a pro. When you're a high school baseball player, you don't have the luxury of 20 years of deliberate work. You just don't. And you haven't earned the right to take reps off. It just means you're lazy and you don't care. And it drives me crazy. So the the final line of the tweet was, do you realize how much your video was saying? Because whether it's a bat flip, whether it's you know feeling the ground ball, how you take the field, how you wear your uniform, you're you're saying so much and you probably don't know it. And it's probably not to your benefit. Like when I see a kid at a a line drive single to left field and he runs straight to first base and r- takes like a little walking turn. It's like why aren't you trying to like put pressure on the defense and take a peek at second base? Like just run hard, try to help your team win. I don't understand what you're doing. Why are you there? If you're not trying to help your team win, why are you there? Is it cool to get a base hit? Is that what's cool? Or are you trying to win? It drives me, I get so mad. Yeah, it doesn't make Primarily because they're, they're like, yeah, if you just post that video, like, oh, look, I want to get likes. I got a base hit to left field. That's fine. But just don't tag college coaches in it to be like, I want to play in college baseball, despite the fact that I show no actions of what a college baseball player should be trying to do. Well, that's the general problem is nobody, nobody thinks past the surface. I don't know. That, that, it happened we, at a high school that, baseball game in New Hampshire a couple years ago. A kid that was going to a pretty, like, he was going to a D1 program, <clears throat> base hit to right center. I think I've told this story before. Playoff game, down by a run, like sixth inning. It's like one nothing in the sixth. He had a line drive to right center and cadillac it around first and was shutting it down before the outfielder even picked the ball up. Fast athlete, like really good runner. And I just was in the stands. I almost walked out because I was so mad. I'm like, you're a college baseball player. You're, you're getting scholarship money to go play baseball. And you can't even take an aggressive turnaround first base. You're satisfied in a high school playoff game. It's like semifinals. Season's on the line. You can't even take a hard turnaround first. What game are you playing? What I don't even know what you're doing. 
and this is why, like, I can't even stand travel ball because people are so they want their name on their back of the jersey, but they don't want to run hard and try to help their team win. What are we doing? I get so mad about this stuff. <laughs> Just run hard. Take a like, take a look. See if the guy bobbles it. Especially on like left field, you can watch the throw come in. You can read if it's high or low. If it's offline, you can slide to one side or the other. What are we doing? Especially I don't know if the what kid, we're doing. Especially if the kid has more athletic ability than me, because that's usually the case, because I was a terrible athlete. I think that's what you're most mad about. You're more mad that more talented people than you that take advantage of it and don't play hard. That's why. That's why you get so mad. It's annoying. It's It's annoying. When somebody that has talent doesn't use it. Yes. Correct. Ding, ding, ding. You win. But ultimately, like, aren't we, aren't we playing to try to win? Isn't that the whole – that's why you, like, show up at the field. That's why you put the uniform on, put your spikes on, you take ground balls, you take BP. You're trying to win a baseball game? You're trying to win? Isn't that the whole I, point? And then I you just get a base that. hit, something that you, – you didn't make an out, but you're not actually – trying to extend the play as much as possible the challenge the challenge is everything is too visible now right like everything's too in your face everything's you can see everything that happens in every corner of the universe like let's face it if you're playing if you're in any form of athletic competition you can assume that there's a camera on it right it doesn't matter if it's a little league game a high school game a, a pro game so what happens is we have a tendency to see everything right so we're much more informed about what's happening and then the things that garner attention are usually the wrong ones meaning from a from a standpoint of true player development because what gets attention is usually something that's different right is that fair like different things that stand out are different and different doesn't always mean good so the reason why bat flips became a thing is because they were different and they looked cool to people because when you want to fulfill the inner narcissist in everyone, a bat flip is cool because a bat flip is a look at me moment. The same way show timing and wearing drip is all they're look at me moments. And like, dude, I, every human has an ego, myself included. Like I, I wore flair. I tried to let people see me. And the older you get, the more you recognize that none of that stuff matters now i don't have a problem with any of that stuff if you play the game the right way right because at the end of the day it's your game that has to talk not your flair and look there can be times when it's just somebody making a mistake or they don't know better and i think that's where the frustration comes from is like you the presumption now is that somebody is show timing or that they're cadillacking and yeah it sucks but I don't know. If I was a kid, I'd just never post stuff of myself. I just I would let other people do it for me because that's like the true sign of better. being yeah. good. So that's my well, that's take. My, on that's just my don't post stuff about yourself. You. My contention with the shin guard is, if you need a shin guard when you're in high school, you're just probably not a good hitter. You hate high school players wearing shin guards. I hate it because you're not facing any good sinkers. If you're hitting a ball off your shin, that means you're, you stink at baseball. You're not facing good pitching. You should be hitting 600. It's, it's, they're trying to look good, and they're not good. They're, they're tr they think it looks cool, and they think they look good, but they're really saying, I'm not good. 
That's what bothers me. And it makes you run slower, so you're help, you're not helping. You're hurting your team. That's like a hole. You're, you're hoping your team. Tell you what. If you lose a baseball game because you're out by half a step at first base and you got a shin guard on and you hit, don't hit the – you're wearing it for cool, that's going to piss me off. As a teammate, that would piss me off. Like, oh, nice shin guard. We're going home. I wouldn't care about the shin guard. What are we I, doing? I'd care about the ground ball to shortstop that you just hit. You're just you're not helping your team win by wearing. You're so guard. angry about shin guards on high school players, dude. Shin guards are tight. Where I'd wear as much armor cool. up to home they plate as possible. Cool. Wear they all of it. Cool. Wear all the armor. Wear catcher's gear. I don't care. Doesn't matter. And when you're when you wear like aggressive stuff, when you get the shin guard that's up to your knee. You get, you know, the big... I, I, the only thing I would want the shin guard for is on a walk when you flip it over the top of the shoe when you when you do the Velcro. Let's it's, a, it's, not, a, it's cool. It's a cool... Let's not be in denial. The face flap on helmets is for the cool factor. It's not because guys think they're going to get hit in the mouth. Somebody told me one time that they were doing that because it was creating a line of sight so they could help with pitching people tunnels. just make shit up like, all the time that's not even true at all that's not even close to true you're not people make shit up off all the time guard. to try to no, justify it's something because they don't want to say the real answer they don't want to say the dude i wore arm sleeves because i thought they were fire and then i st- i had to wear an arm sleeve honest to god i had to wear an arm sleeve under my elbow guard because I, the velcro strap would like make my bicep because it's huge chafe I caught that snuck it in there so I would chafe yeah, I like right in, I would chafe in the in the section the Evo shield had the single strap and it went like right in the slot of like where your elbow and bicep are so um, I had to wear an elbow gu- a sleeve under my elbow guard and then I just got used to it so I wore it but then the older I got the less I cared about the flare it just it was funny because you you, you have to own a look right you have to own your own look in baseball whether you're a pants up guy pants down you're a guy with chains out you're a guy with wrist tape and wristbands and if you if you do it wrong you look like an idiot if you like break character like joey wore my nephew joey wore wrist tape one day because i told him he had to have more drip on the field and i was like that's not what i was talking about and you look stupid you gotta understand your like what fulfills your look and I can be the style guide for everyone. Let me tell it's annoying to see the pants above the knees. I, that, I just, we were wearing shorts. Like, what, what are we doing? So that that happened last week. <laughs> so, that, so the a video was sent to me by a college coach being like, what, what is this look? What is happening? Apparently it was the whole team. The whole, somebody from the team tweeted at me. So there was confirmation. It was all about the drip. But again, so somebody was like, oh, you're, you're mad because they're exposing their knee, but you want them to expose their shin. I was like, no, I want them to run fast and not shred their knee when they slide into second base. There's like both of those. I was right on both things, and they were wrong on both things, but they thought they were right. I think you so, need to be good to have, like, for every level of good. Let's start to quantify good exposing on, your one, knees. on a 1 I used to 10 go, scale. I used to go pants up and I would like fold my pants in a way that it was essentially a pad for my knee when I slid because I would rip up my no. leg. New rule. I'm making it. Life rule. Baseball life rule. You're rated on a scale of 1 to 10 and good. If you're a 1, you're only allowed a 1 in drip. If you're a 10, you can wear a 10 in drip. That's it. That's the way it should go. What a world. All right. Summer ball check-in. 
Cape League, NACBL, everybody's in full swing. What are you hearing? What do you got? You're you're dialed into that. Uh, yeah, I think it's all weird. Guys are getting cut from the Cape. Guys are scrambling to hold on to jobs. It's the weirdest thing ever. Like, there's a billion temps, and it's weird, man. It's just this. It's weird. I don't like it. And then. The NECBL schedule. always that many temps. I, I know the Cape League always has temps because they have a ton of college World Series guys, college national championship guys. Well, is Team, US, Team USA is going to do honk ball week this year in uh, in the Netherlands. So I don't know, man. It's just very strange. I don't understand. There's, like, there's turnstiles in summer ball. Some Somebody asked me last night, uh, a player asked me if I thought leaving the Futures League early was fine. And I said, listen, bud, I'm going to tell you two things. Number one, I had to beg, plead, and steal to get on a summer ball team. And this is at the time when there were like five leagues, right? It was the Northwoods Coastal Plain, Cape, and Alaska, and NECBL. That was it, basically. We had nowhere else to play. And I had to literally beg plead and steal to get on a team i was like and i'm gonna leave early now and now guys did it they don't their circumstances were different right this is what you're talking about before with the the playing hard or earning stuff i wasn't at tennessee or kentucky or florida so i didn't have the luxury of being able to say yeah yeah, i'm just gonna leave summer ball five ten days 20 days early like I had to stay and do my thing there. And not to mention, I love playing baseball. That's why I signed up for it. I wanted to play baseball. That's all I wanted to do is play baseball. So, like, when kids are like, yeah, I got, you know, vacation. I'm like, all right, man, do whatever you got to do. I, I don't I, – I, you're, you're asking the wrong person. And I certainly understand, like, you need to take the last few weeks of summer off because you feel like you've been through a blender. Whatever. Um, it's interesting, man. I, I just don't – I don't, I don't get summer ball now because there's a billion leagues. Everybody thinks they're entitled to a summer ball job. Futures League rosters, and I finished the year with like 65 guys on them. And I'm like, what? In, Lo- in Lowell, in Mill City, we had 26, I think, and that was it. And we didn't add 27 and 28 when somebody left. It's weird, man. Strange stuff. Yeah, definitely a different time. And... It's weird now because there's looking back on my career, I probably would have been better off after my freshman year just lifting and just getting stronger and eating food. Instead, I went to Plattsburgh, New York, had no money. I was eating like bagels with strawberry cream cheese for every meal and like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, taking a 20 seater bus to go play double header nine inning games, getting in at three o'clock in the morning working like a construction job, laying foundation block to build an apartment. Like, what, what, like what, was, I, what was I doing? You know what's crazy is I didn't even know. And that's it. I didn't even know what the NYCBL was. At the, going into it, neither did I. And it was a good summer. I learned a lot that summer. Now there's a, there's a it's called the Hamptons League, right? Well, the Hamptons and is the Hamptons. NYCBL is upstate New yeah. York. There's a NYCBL. There's some, then there's there's some rides out there. The beaches league. There's a Palm Beach league. There's a there's tons of leagues. The there's a lot of leagues that are not Ohio Valley. Yeah, like the uh, Ohio league was always pretty good. 
We used to sound. I don't know anything. I don't know anything. I just follow the cape. I follow guys that I know, and that's it. That's what I do. There's a lot of leagues now. There are many leagues now. A lot of leagues. There's there's leagues that you. It's pay to play. Straight up pay to play. Um, which is futures league is having to pay for living. They're making guys pay for their living arrangements. I don't pay a dime to play in ACBL. I just beg. Oh, yeah, you lived team. at home too, so. No, I didn't. Um, lived at those family in Lowell. How often did you go home? Never. How how I thought you I thought you went home a bunch. Um, it's just yeah, it's weird now. It's weird that it's almost like kids go there not expecting to go the whole season. When I when I I mean I signed a contract to go to NYCBL. I signed a contract expecting to be there the full season. I didn't go there expecting to get cut or to leave. How was how was, was I going to lead the league in doubles if I didn't stay the whole time? It was a privilege to get asked to play in these leagues. Like in the fall of freshman year, Coach Courier pulled me aside and said, "Hey, I want you to go play in this league. We only have so many spots. We'd like you to do this." I had one more year of eligibility for Legion Ball, so I could have gone back and played Legion because we're both young. You could have as well, freshman year. I did. did you go back? So you went back and played Legion Ball after playing in college. And I felt like going back would be a step backwards and not really what I was looking it for. It actually gave me a ton of confidence because I hit, I don't know, it was the first time I actually hit the way a guy that was a dominant player should have. Like I hit 480, I had a bunch of homers. Took Brandon Gomes deep in the state tournament. And then I got him in the show. First time and last time I faced him. Got him. Whoops. Brandon Gomes is now like the assistant GM of the Dodgers. So the question was, what was what was cool about Summer Ball? What was hard about it? I think the the we've talked it. about this a bunch. <clears throat> it's it's pretty close to Pro Ball in that you're just you're going to the field every day. I loved it. But it's without it. all of the attachment of pro ball. It's just you just you're when the days start all blending into one. That's when you know yeah, you're in. I loved it. There was nothing I hated about it. There was nothing hard about it. I loved the bus trips. I loved the bad sandwiches. I loved working camp in the morning. Like because I was at a time in my life where waking up at you know eight thirty was normal during a, a season, and so I just loved it. I honestly I couldn't have asked for a better experience. And there was, it made me, stuff like that makes me play better or made me play better where I was like just super excited to see what was next and see the fans that night. And that's what I don't understand is like how guys go to games like, like summer ball games. Like if you play at Podunk Junior College or, you know, some small division three in the Northeast or even some division two or division one that doesn't get fans. And you go to summer ball and you get to see crowds in places and minor league parks type settings. How is that not exciting to you? Getting to play at 705 under the lights every night, like that's sick, dude. That's what you live for. It's your first taste of it. So I loved it and that's why I hit 350 with eight bombs and whatever it was and was an NECBL all-star because it was, it made me happy to be there. And I felt like I was playing with pride and care every day. Yeah, I loved it as well. So uh, it would be weird to go back now with everybody has like cell phones and can get their own media. The bus rides, then, 
It was like simple times. Like everybody's watching the same Hack game, hack game. I can play the hack game. Can you? Yeah. City uh, game. You, you probably played cards. You probably played poker. I didn't do much. No, we did. I spent three bus rides trying to figure out the city game. Three full bus rides, like just blown away. Couldn't do yeah. it. So we did stuff yeah. like that. We didn't. I mean, learning, learning all those stupid games, all those mind games is fun. It's great. I love that. And then it. as a we coach later on, you just, yeah, you just destroy kids with those games. I loved watching movies. I, whatever movies we're going to watch, VHS tapes. Finally, it was converted to DVDs when it first got to Pro Bowl. But it would be weird now with everybody who just have headphones in their phone and they're texting. Yeah, nobody and... talks on the bus ever. It's crazy because guys are like, oh, yeah, I can't talk on the phone on the bus because everybody's just quiet in their own little corner. So nobody wants to talk on the phone. They're just going to text. No, Patrick's saying Patrick. untrue. Most, I'm telling you, guys, when the guys that I deal with, they're like, I can't talk them on the bus. I'll, I'll call you when I get back. Um, maybe maybe win, get the mood right instead of should be able to talk, and that should matter. But it too. is weird though. It I, is. I think it, is, I think it should matter. Anyway. You shouldn't be like full send, like let's throw a party. If you have a two hour bus ride, you just get your doors blown in. No, maybe like spend the first thirty minutes pondering the meaning of life. If you get your doors blown in, just sit there and be quiet. If you lose and you get be you sometimes should be pissed and that's what you should be you shouldn't be happy. i'm so far removed from the idea of like taking a long bus ride after a game other than to like a getaway day you know what i mean that's not like even a thing to me and the last well in the big leagues let's say this in the big leagues on getaway day if you guys get smoked like on a sunday morning and you got to get on a flight what's the uh expectation of being like Let's say you're like win two out of three, but Sunday you get you get blown the out. The coaches sit in the front and the players sit in the back for a reason. Well, is there a, is there like a, I mean it's, there's got to be so much feel to it. Like if you guys are playing good, you just have a bad game versus like yeah yeah that's versus totally like different. A mental mistake, or but whatever. by the time you get to the plane, like it's three hours after the game anyway, so two and a half hours. So everybody's forgotten about it. The the biggest the biggest tell is whether you play music in the clubhouse after the game or not, right? Like, if you win, music's on right away. Everybody's high-fiving. But then, if you lose, no music. Just go eat your dinner. You know, pick up your phone. And then again, there were times There were times when... like the Pirates right now, and you just never get yeah, the music in the club. There were, there were times where we win, like, seven out of eight, and we'd lose the game or whatever in the middle, and we'd be like, you know, screw it. Play the music. Whatever. We don't if care. If you if you lose, it should just be that uh, that turnaround but song. But it just has to be it. organic. If you're if you can do things organically that aren't forced, that are authentic, and it, like we had a high field team in Toronto, except for when we didn't. So. Yeah. All right. A couple more quick topics. We got O'Neill Cruz setting records. Uh, this was last night, so we're recording Tuesday. He. I'm pulling up the stats. He set every record for the Pirates in his first three innings of this year. He had he was up, I think, two records. games last year. Let's be clear. He set all the records. He's a metriker. So he, from shortstop, threw a ball 96.7. And there's one angle of it where it looks like the ball is, like, out of his hand before he threw it. And it's just <laughs> – I, mean, I can't even imagine throwing a ball 96 across diamond. How much fun that would be. He's 6'7". He's an avatar. He's uh, so 96.7. Then he hit the hardest ball of the year by a pirate, 112.9. And 
and then he had the three fastest sprint speeds of the year. I don't know if that was on the same play, but he was trying to stretch into a triple. He was throwing it out, but he's got great hair. He's tall. He's wearing a shin guard, which is probably why he got thrown at a third. Imagine how fast he would run without the shin guard. Uh, I'm just saying, this guy's an avatar. He was hitting yeah. 232 in triple A. I think he's yeah. an adrenaline. So Carlton texted me this morning. He just wrote O'Neill Cruz. And I was like, yeah. He was hitting 232 and like, let's see what he's doing in a week. I think he's an adrenaline guy because he got called up to AAA a couple years ago and he had like five homers in nine games. Something like that. He seems like a dude that knows that there's there weren't enough leagues that were good enough for him. But you got to come with it now, kid. You've been talking the talk. Go walk the walk, man. Yeah, like, so apparently in, in AAA when he was hitting homers, he would tap on his watch base. So here's the funny thing for me. Is I, I don't understand what good is anymore. Like, I don't know what the bar is for young players to come up to the big leagues and think about and, and really have... Like, if a guy hits 246 in his first year in the big leagues or 238, but he slugs a little... He doesn't get on base a lot. Is that good enough? Like, is that like I don't understand how guys are in their second, third, maybe fourth year, and they hit two forty two, six sixty six, and they just hang around. Like, I, that's what doesn't make sense to me. Like, what's good? What What does that kid need to do to like stay in the big leagues for a while? Like, he's gonna stay no matter what. They're just gonna let him figure it out, right? He's one well, of the I think, figure it out yeah, guys. He's in a situation where the the only way he can really learn how to hit in the big leagues is to be in the big leagues. And the Pirates aren't really good, so might as well just let him be there. It's kind of my thought there. Right? You just I, I just I just don't hang I don't just know do your thing, dude. I don't know what good is anymore. I don't know what it what it takes to stay it's very weird to me, man. Like, at what point do you do you say a guy is good or he's not? And it's funny because I was talking about this last night with somebody that works for an organization, and it's weird how some guys have leashes and then, you know, hit two twelve their first year, but they had a good second half, and then they, they come back and start the first half bad again. They hit a buck eighty for a half a season, but because of the circumstance, they stay in the big leagues. And they have a good second half and get to 230, 245, whatever it is. And you look up at the end of the year and you're like, I didn't hate his numbers. And because I know he had a good second half, it feels more fresh. And then all of a sudden, you know, that player gets the ARB as a, you know, 237, 316, you know, 388 career guy, which is like a six, you know, whatever, 702 OPS. And then before you know it, they have like a good year in ARB and everybody's like, oh, it's crazy. And they give them $10 million. Or if they just happen to have a good year going to free agency, then they get $10 million. I'm like, I, can we look at the body of work? Like forever, I thought players were defined by how good they were over time, which was like my MO. Because at the end of the day, you got to get it done. This kid is a stallion, right? Like he does everything that baseball wants him to do. Like, he's a five-tool guy. Like, it's crazy that we're sitting here talking about stat cast numbers when our eyeballs used to say the same thing. You would have watched that kid at the uh, combine or that. 
right difference and we wouldn't be as well how hard the cross field was or you just go it's hard <laughs> you know like the ball the ball he threw it looked like he was taking a nap in a park and then it was a hundred but my point is at what point does that player actually have to be good to be considered good say it again at what point is he what at what point does he need to play good to be considered good? Now, I'm not saying like he can't change the game with his arm or his sprint speeds, right? But, and I, and I think the kid, I, I, you can't, speed doesn't slump, right? All that bad. Like, how many times, how long can he hit 232 for? Like, Jeter Downs got called up to the big leagues, right? He's hitting, this is back-to-back years in 3A hitting a buck 80. And this was a very circumstantial call-up. You're looking at it, and you're going, okay, it makes sense. We needed an infielder. He's on the roster. We couldn't make a roster move because we have roster stuff coming up. So you call him up. But like in his mind, Jeter Downs probably sitting there going, like, yeah, I'm good. I'm Gucci. Like, I'm I'm cool. I got to the big leagues. You know how many people want to get to the big leagues? That don't. And then we're just gonna call up guys that hit a buck eighty because they got targeted as prospect or whatever. I don't I don't understand it. Yeah. Um at what point I, I feel like he needs a lot of leash or he's going to be given a lot of leash it's uh he's he's got so much so many tools that he's allowed to suck for a while that's how i really feel about it it just doesn't make sense to me it really doesn't yeah uh, well, he's going to be exciting. I'm excited for him to keep running fast and keep well, throwing yeah, balls hard. Well, yeah, it'll be cool. This dude's I want to see him throw about 100 for sure. Blow up a radar gun. Yeah, he will. I mean, that was a like casual get-rid-of-it-pretty-quick play. Yeah. When he plants, he's going to throw a ball That's a type, that's worst a, case scenario, he's a type of pitcher. That, when I saw the video last night of him throwing the ball from short, I, my first thought was, uh, you can train all you want. Like I need Domingo Ayala to come out and be like, "That's God given." Like that, what he is capable it's God of. Given. Is, it's just. Should we come up with our own Domingo Ayalaism? He's he's done a pretty good job. I, everything I think about, he's got a good brand because he, if you go like a Latin, exaggerated, stereotypical, type thing, he's done a good job with that. Yeah. I think you could pull it off. I I know I couldn't. I tried to do commentary on John Rahm the other day at the U.S. Open with my Spanish twang, and then I heard my own Spanish twang, and it's terrible. Um, I saw your video, so let's talk about that. We got two two final topics: U.S. Open, because you were there, and um, Celtics. Let's move talk about past there? the Celtics. Let's do this quickly because I don't want to talk about the Celtics because I'm going to have a meltdown. The Celtics got beat by a better team, period. The Golden State Warriors are a better team. Celtics are more talented. Golden State's a better team. They proved that they knew how to win. Game four, Celtics needed to step on their throat. They didn't. When you smell blood in the water, you don't let people do that to you on your home court. They played sub-500 basketball in the on, at home in the postseason. Can't win an NBA championship doing that. Um, it was disappointing um i think it's another step for the celtics 
but the, like all their weaknesses came glaring out in games four, five, and six, and they were able to overcome all those things. But you can't at some point you can't play against good teams and make mistakes the way they did. They turned the ball over way too much from the beginning of the series. Don't turn the ball over. Rebound. Still pretty cool that they went to the finals. Um, you know, Steph's a stud. Like that's just so good. cut and drive it. He's just he does things with the basketball that most people can't do without one. Um, yeah, it was disappointing that they lost, and because they it felt like they had it when they went up two to one. You know, you snatch game one, win game three, thinking you're at home. You just take control of the series. It would have been hard for Golden State to win uh, three in a row down three to one, and they probably could have anyway because they won three in a row to win it anyway. But that was the Celtics recap. Don't turn the ball over, yeah. and you give it. You give yourself a chance. They got exposed. Yeah. Their offense was just very like one dimensional. The, the the coolest thing to watch was how patient Curry was. Just so patient, and would basically just wait until the Celtics made a mistake, and then the Celtics just they were either they were either too passive where they were all just standing around, or they were aggressive and reckless ways they Basically, melted they would just down. like they would like tatum i felt like tatum always had to like reach his arm out to create space and then they would just attack the hole or to attack the hoop and he'd like be carrying the ball like it was a football and they started swiping at it and he'd start losing it and he was getting frustrated it was just well i thought the heat were a much better a much tougher team to play against from a defensive standpoint the advantage against them is that they're not going to go pour in you know 120 on you um, or like just go on these massive runs where you can't stop them from scoring um, but even there they allowed the heat to look like a better offensive team than they really were where again that was a one-dimensional offense that I thought you should have controlled they played great D all things considered you know it's not easy to chase around Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole and those guys um, the thing about Golden State that I think everybody really just didn't realize was how well-rounded they were from the standpoint of understanding how to win basketball games. And I think the Celtics are one player away. They need one player, and now there's rumors of the Bradley Beal thing and, um, you know, taking some pressure off Smart to have to be the guy that he's not, really. And he took big strides in the right direction this year, but the the glaring Marcus Smartisms that people hate in Boston showed up. So um, Al is old. Um, would have been nice to see if Rob could have played 40 minutes in the playoffs, what, what that would have turned into, but he couldn't. But I thought they had a chance. I mean, they, they, they gave themselves a chance, and then they just didn't win. So it is what it is. Um, yeah. The, the run that they went through, they went through Giannis and then um, who, who, was, who was the first round? What was there was like a was they three beat, swept the Nets. Them? No, they swept. Yeah, they swept the Nets, Durant and Kyrie. Then they beat Giannis, beat Butler in the Heat, which the Heat, I thought, was the toughest test. And then Golden State obviously proved why they're Golden State. I mean, four championships in eight years is by accident. So six finals, yeah. a health, like a healthy-ish team, but continuing to reaffirm that if you have that core group of guys that they can still be good, you know? Yeah. Um, 
I'm switching topics to the U.S. Open because we have a hard stop here soon. The U.S. Yeah. Open was cool. Um, it was cool to be at a major. Um, Brookline's a weird course. When they, they play Brookline, they add two holes from like their alternate nine holes. Have you so, ever played there? No, but I've seen it. And the layout was just super weird. Um, it, it didn't feel like Sunday at a major while I was there, which was weird because like it was very... It was great on TV. It was methodical. I, I, I There were times when I'd stop at a TV. Um, I thought it was cool when Matsuyama drained the birdie on, uh, what was it? It was a 12? Yeah, it was 12. And he went birdie, birdie on 12 and 13. And I thought, you know, it was, it was an interesting, it was an interesting tournament. I mean, Fitzpatrick basically just said, like, I'm going to Is that your first have... ever in-person golf tournament? No, I've been, okay. I mean, I've been to the Valspar and to the, you know, other tournaments. I used to go to the, the one at uh, Pleasant Valley. Yeah. It, it was cool. It was a cool setup. You appreciate how much work they put in to get it done. You really see all the nuances. The course is very, very weird. It, it, you, it It's not a U.S. Open course because it's abnormally long. Like they moved a couple of tee boxes back to pass where the members were just to lengthen it. It's like a 510 yard par four. But it, there, there's a lot of intricate shots like the par 514th is it's 600 and whatever yards from where they put the pro tee boxes which aren't normal and you got to hit an absolute bomb to have a chance to hit three wood up a two-tier hill and Fitzpatrick did it into a green and it was crazy it's it's like just some weird holes man and and it's it's very Massachusetts it's not like a standard like your holes run parallel to one another. It's like the streets in Boston. They're you know one ways and this and that. There's a 310 yard par four that is up a hill where if you lay up, the whole slope of the fairway goes from left to right. And if you try to lay up and you hit it to the left, it's going to roll into the rough on the right. Uh, There's I, one I, where it's if you hit it to the right, it'll roll into the water. So you, you literally can't miss the fairway. You, you can't be on the right side of the fairway. Or Let's put it this way. I very much appreciated why you have to be in the fairway at, at U.S. Opens. Like, and if you're not, like, looking at the rough and walking through the, those sections. And I, I really thought, you know, the way 18 was playing out was so anticlimactic because Fitzpatrick knocked his putt in, then Zalatoris putted last, which was so strange. I thought... The caddy's reaction was what made it great, and so that part I appreciated for sure because it was his first major. You know, he was on Lee Westwood's bag forever, and yeah, um, that I part was cool for Fitzpatrick to get his ball in, put the pressure on him. Well, it's right. You got to tap in. It's funny. Scheffler had birdies on four of the first six, and I'm like, it's over. It's over because I, I just didn't see a lot of bogeys for him because the course was softened up because of the the, the rain. Um, so there was a chance to score, but the problem was it was windy and cold. So, um, you know, the bogeys he made were, there were just those type of shots where you're like, there's wind up at the flag and nobody realizes it. So like everybody's leaving it short. <laughs> so the group, cause the groups behind don't know how to pay attention to the ones in the front. So. Well, there's, when there's elevation changes like that, if you're hitting to a, a flag that's up, then you don't know. There's a lot, I mean, New England has a lot of courses like that. 
I saw I saw a lot of shots and I saw a lot of birdies on the course that weren't made because of elements that you know affected a shot that shouldn't have or couldn't have or wouldn't have you know all things considered and the greens were just blazing the the most <laughs> the most ridiculous thing was I sat at 16 I watched three groups come through 16 and I watched two guys three putt uh, Neiman and a dude named Homer or something like that that I didn't know and they both three putted and then Patrick Reed hit it in the sand and the other guy he was playing with hit it in the sand and they both got up and down so maybe the sand was a strategy <laughs> Maybe get yourself in better position. Yeah. So, anyway, that was it. That was my. And I have. And Dustin Johnson has the coolest walk ever. It's nice. It's uh. The I've only been to one tournament. I went to the TPC Boston one year. Uh, I just I thought it was interesting. It felt like the golfers work through the holes really fast. Like when you're playing golf, it doesn't feel that fast. But when you're just standing in one place, like everything just is like happening around you. It's pretty cool. It's weird to watch golf live. I don't. That's why I don't like it because I need to see what's going on on other holes to really appreciate the the magnitude to go of the it. range. Like, yeah, but I, we got there late, so nobody was on it. So the, understanding the magnitude of what's happening is really weird because everything's happening in parallel to one another, right? Like, right. So you don't. One game's not going on all at once. It's interesting. Yeah, different sport. Cool, cool deal. But all that being said, people out. <laughs> <laughs>